Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures, as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 2, Episode 5, Simon Said, premiered on October 26, 2006, directed by Tim Lacafano and written by Ben Edlund. We are Natural, natural, natural friend. Friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, we've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Remember, spoilers ahead. So I did get a quick poll in this week. Um, if season two, Sam and Dean got a pet to ride along in the Impala, what would it be? We had uh, cat, dog, snake, and bear. Um, cat at 33%. <laughs> Where did you get bear? Dog at 50%. And bear dig at 17 <laughs> So, I want to see an episode where Sam and Dean ride with a bear in the backseat because how great would that be? That Bruce, I don't uh think a bear would fit in the backseat. Just like a baby bear, just a little, little little young cub. Yeah, not like aggressive, just like loving. (laughs) And then eat your face off if you get mean. (laughs) If you get, it's a perfect, it's a perfect sidekick. This week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean try to stop Andy a psychic with powers of persuasion, from making people murder themselves. It turns out Andy had an evil twin who was committing the murders, so Andy shot him. So in our intro, uh, we heard a couple names that I don't think we've heard yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, the director and writer. Have I read those names for the intro before? (laughs) No, those are both names. (laughs) Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, Because I've been starting to try to pick up on which... um, which writers and which uh, directors I enjoy m- more. Um, Kim Manners is definitely one of my favorite right so far. Um, anytime Eric Kripke is the writer, it's just fantastic. Um, so I've been trying to keep more an eye, an eye out for uh, these names. Um, however, I hope these guys are back because I enjoyed this episode a lot. Me too. Don't worry, Bruce. This won't be the last you see of Ben Edlund. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> so this episode takes us to the town of Guthrie, Oklahoma, uh, where it tries to make it seem like we as an audience need to know the fact that it's 1220 p.m. Did you guys pay attention to that clock at the beginning at all? No. You know and, like, what? Take, take note of the time. There was focus on it. Yeah. <laughs> it immediately started it and then kept it in the background. Um, So I thought it was going to come up later when uh, they realized that um, the doctor hasn't gone into the shop yet to kill anyone. And Sam's going to see like what time it is and know like how long he has until the doc tries to kill this guy. And now it just never came up. It's just a shot of a clock. Just a shot of a clock. I did not notice at all. That guy walking in the beginning, uh, the professor, I think. Doctor, Dr. Jennings. My bad. I think they referred to him as a professor at some point. No, I mean, he definitely referred to him as the doctor, but it's cool. He's got some big pants on. 
the bottom of those it's, pants were just so flowy. <laughs> you know, Bruce, it's been a while since we've gotten any of your uh, fashion commentary. So I'm glad this segment's back. <laughs> just need to, need to get a little, a little more fitted at the bottom. That's all I'm saying. So Secret Dreams are back. That's exciting. They made it a point to talk about it a thousand times in that um, uh, last week on Supernatural or whatever. I can't remember how it goes. Previously. Yeah, previously on Supernatural because I was like, I bet you we're going to learn about the Secret Dreams a little bit more in this episode. (laughs) That is the only downside to having real previously ons is like you get slightly spoiled on what's going to be in the episode. Like, obviously, like within five minutes, it's this thing. So it's not like, oh, that's weird that they're talking about it again. But it's definitely like, oh, I bet you this is the focus. I did love the transition from um, the secret dream into real life of Sam in the bathroom. That was neat. It like pans up to the ceiling as he shoots himself and the blood sprays onto the sink and then the angle flips. It was really cool. Good camera work. They're liking those blood splatters this uh, season. (laughs) Yes, they are. It's an art form. <laughs> so with the previously on, though, they did do like a little bit of a teaser where, like you said, with Secret Dreams, the previously on made you realize like, oh, Secret Dreams is going to be part of the plot of this episode. But they also showed, re-showed the dad whispering to Dean. So you're like, oh, is that going to come up? Are they mm-hmm. going to finally? Nope. No, they're not. <laughs> they're just messing with you. So after the Secret Dream, the boys head back to the roadhouse to try to um, get some help from Ellen and the gang. And while they're there, Dean has quite the reaction to Ario Speedwagon coming on. He's not a fan. Oh, he's a fan. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> he does sing it later. That's right. <laughs> uh, I think we can officially call this a will they, won't they between Dean and Joe. Bruce, will they or won't they? Ooh. Oh, they will. <laughs> this is what I wanted from last season when he would interact with these girls um it, it's a more practical approach to starting dating it's not this like oh we were in a traumatic experience together so we're gonna kiss and never see each other again it's <laughs> um you know getting to know each other uh, making awkward interactions um which i think is what the audience can definitely relate to more so than just the um, fling of the week how'd you guys feel about sam starting to share a little bit more information with Ash to try to uh, track down um, this person that he feels like he's having the secret dream about. It was definitely the right call. They would not have found the guy. I mean, the guy still died, but they saved the gun shop owner. Um, but yeah, they would they would not have tracked down this psychic without Ash helping. I thought this was a cool interaction. Um, not so much Sam, but when Dean was overhearing everything, um, like we talked about, I think a couple of episodes ago where he was like, all supernatural things need to die. Um, this definitely starts to show the, like Dean's like, don't just don't talk about it because he's like afraid of what's going to happen. Um, when those types of things get out. Yeah. You called him a freak. That was, that was a real harsh. <laughs> you've, you've always been a freak. <laughs> so Ash helps them figure out that the kid that they're looking for is Andrew Gallagher whose mother also died in a nursery fire. So with some help from his old workplace, uh, they find out that Andrew owns a van that Dean is extremely jealous of and track him to that van. And that's when Sam sees that his secret dream hasn't happened yet and Dr. Jennings is still alive. Because it was before 1220. Because it was before 1220. 
Yeah, I got so excited they were going to save this guy. I felt really bad when he died. Right? He seemed so happy and like a gen- so genuine. Was that the character being a, a gen- generally happy guy? And then like, because later Dean kind of has a stupid smile on his face when he follows Andy's orders. So I thought it was like an effect. But then later, later, the girlfriend is like crying. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I think it was a combination because Dean could also, I think, be described as generally happy or generally upbeat. There you go. But yeah, he died. I was real sad. Man, he got destroyed by that bus. (laughs) Shoe flying up in the air. I had to watch it twice because I was like, what what just happened? (laughs) I looked back and just walked in front of a bus. I, I just can't think of anything other than mean girls like it just it's such an iconic scene it was a very weird bus hit like there was no like like you would think the bus saw him coming he wasn't like behind something and jumped out or anything like that yeah where like he probably still would have hit him and killed him but like started breaking when someone was walking on the other side of the street towards your path um that was uh i don't know if you guys remember the original final destination uh, the one girl gets hit by a bus at the end, right? And, was it at the end? When Maybe they're in Paris? I, I don't remember. That might be it. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, around a corner. She should not have been able to get hit by a bus that fast. <laughs> it's just going fifty miles an hour when there is a dead end. <laughs> Do you think this is is this a movie trope at this point? Oh God, just, we just named three of them, so I yeah. feel like it. <laughs> While Sam was off trying to save the doc, Dean is following Andy and uh, finds out that Andy is a very convincing person uh, when he just hands over the Impala. Do you think you could give it to me? (laughs) Sure, man. (laughs) Such a fun scene. I loved watching his face transform from that glee to realizing what was happening as Andy drove away. My favorite was the hand on the gun and then like just taking his hand off the gun and then just getting it out. <laughs> I really liked, well, I, I guess this is more in a, a scene coming up, but Jensen went his acting for, like you said, Casey, he, the look that washes over his face, like kind of like realization in this scene. And then in a later scene, it was his perfect acting of he's doing what he's told, but then he also knows he shouldn't. And he's like, why am I doing that? Like this, this perfect uh, look of comprehension. And uh, it was just, just the right amount though. It is really good acting. So how long did it take you guys to notice Sam's cast? I, I did not I pr- at all. Totally the forgot about it. Episode. What? <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice the cast. We even met, were mentally prepared because we talked about it last week. So it was at this point in the episode uh, where like, I finally caught it um, and I started questioning myself if they were hi- like trying to hide it because um, it was very much his sleeve was pulled down like all the way over top of his hand. Um, mm. But then just a couple scenes later, I think they're in a hotel room or something and he's just like sleeves pulled up. He's rubbing the cast <laughs> right in front of camera and I guess that wasn't enough for you guys. All right. I, I think I had like five seconds of a vague wondering what was going on with his hand, but then like the camera cut away and it just went out of my mind. I didn't, I didn't care at all. Um, 
but yeah, now that you mention it, I, I think I had this like, what, what is that? But then the camera cuts away. So, so then this is, this is fun. Um, what color do you guys think Sam's cast would be? Uh, for some reason, I'm feeling blue. I think it's black. If I can get the good shot real quick. Does it blend with his jacket? I say, did they pick something that like blended in better? Okay, this isn't the one I was thinking of, but it's it's pretty good. Is that is that white? Is that a white cast? Uh, <laughs> that's that's a white cast. Uh, it's just a cast. It's I want him to use it as a weapon sometime this season. Just smack somebody with it. I mean, his hand was actually broken, so. I mean, a I cast will protect it. Take the oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how casts Duh. work. Then Sam has another secret daydream and sees a little bit of self-immolation oh yeah that was that was intense i uh i didn't see i so it was like the one scene that my daughter was paying attention to and i was like i don't know (laughs) i don't know how like gruesome they're about to make this scene so i was working on like turning her away and so i didn't really but i think they cut away right and then there was fire and then like there was supposedly a person on fire. No. How how was the scene? <laughs> you saw the person. Yeah, this wow. was a this was like a real stunt. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, these are like practical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um was reading about I think it was talking specifically about the scene, but I was reading about like um fire stunts and um just how much covering goes on and how you have to get the eyes covered perfectly so nothing gets in and um, there's a little hole in the mouth so that um, they can breathe and drink, but then they have to hold their breath whenever they're on fire or else, you know, their lungs will get burned. And you would think that like underneath all that stuff that they're wearing, they would be super hot, but apparently there's a cooling gel applied um, inside their underwear, I think it said. Um, uh-huh. So by the time it's time to get set on fire, you're actually like, oh, okay, I'm going to be warm now. <laughs> cool. I wonder how much somebody gets paid to light themselves on fire. Like probably not enough, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully a decent amount. A cool job, though. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting uh, when they was it when they searched his van. Our boy is reading up on philosophy, and I thought that was really cool because he's a young guy who suddenly can have everything he wants. So he needs to un- he needs to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And I thought that was really interesting of like, what would you do if everyone did exactly what you said? And like, where does your responsibility lie? Like what's ethical and not ethical? So I think that's a fun question. Bruce, if everyone in your life had to do what you told them to do, what would your life look like right now? Would you be living in a van with a painting of a woman riding a bear? Um, yeah, definitely. No, no. I'd be <laughs> very rich, hopefully. <laughs> be very, very rich. Um, Casey, would you be a super rich man? Uh, probably just rich enough. That's what you say. So you can That's have it say. all. <laughs> um, yeah, and the whole through line of Sam's conflict this episode was that all these people with powers are bad murderers. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of a relief for him to see Andy 
being not terrible with his powers. And he even says to Andy, you could have anything you want. And Andy's thought process is that he has everything he needs. So Sam's secret dream let him down a little bit this time. And they didn't have enough time to save the woman who was catching herself on fire. But that helps them realize that Andy is not the killer. And they discover with some help that it's an evil twin. (laughs) So cool. That was really funny how he delivered that line. I have an evil twin. Is is this the same scene where he is? He does the uh, you're not, these are not the uh, droids you're looking for. Yeah. And, and um, they reference Obi-Wan so much. Um, so Dean talks about it before. Um, then Andy says it himself and his license plate, I believe, is even oh, Obi-Wan. I oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So he's he's fully into the the gimmick. So they find out that the guy from the cafe is Andy's evil twin who also has mind control powers. You guys want to hear a little bit about mind control powers? <gasps> I'd love to. Sounds really exciting. Well, it's really hard to find anything about mind control power. <laughs> <laughs> um, so pretty much anything I tried to find was about brainwashing Ooh. instead of like a mind control superpower. But have you guys ever heard of mk ultra sure have i have not so uh there's a interesting relationship between the u.s military and exploring human superpowers mk ultra did a lot of like remote viewing um experiments and people trying to see something that was happening in a location they weren't in there were other experiments like uh you guys have both heard of the men who stare at goats right yeah <laughs> Uh, which was a true story about uh, the U.S. military trying to kill goats with their minds. So I'm just going to read a little bit from a book by Ed Hawkins, and the book is called Men on Magic Carpets. Candlestick Park, San Francisco, 1964. The wind is whipping off the bay on a typically cold night at the ballpark. Mike Murphy takes his seat in Section 17. A jazz band pipes up, and the vendors shout their wares. Hams or Falstaff beers? Oscar Mayer hot dogs with Golden's mustard? Murphy is close enough to talk to the San Francisco Giants players, but he's not interested in hero worship. He wants to put a voodoo curse on the opposition, the LA Dodgers. He tells two friends it's called a whammy, or a cult backlash. He's been practicing for years, perfecting the very particular cries and exact hand gestures to transmit negative energy to players. He reckons he's a baseball witch doctor, sending psychic waves to scramble minds and zap energy from muscles. While sitting in the bleachers at Candlestick Park, Murphy asks for assistance from the fellow Giants fans around him to explore his powers, explaining with a straight face that the gestures had been developed by shamans in the Amazon basin to kill enemies. If they wanted the Giants to win, this would help. And so he exhorted the crowd to close their two middle fingers over the thumb leaving the index finger and little finger pointing, like devil horns, towards their target. And he told them to shout and wail as they thrust their horns towards the Dodgers players. That night would prove Murphy's most successful as a conjuring cheerleader. According to his account, he enlisted almost 200 fans, all their negative energy flowing through him as he stood at the front, like the arrowhead. With several hundred horns pointing towards the tip, he began to feel dizzy. 
Whenever the wave of gestures and curses was at its strongest, the Dodgers began to make inept plays. The Giants went on to win. Murphy staggered out of the stadium, drained, exhausted, and fearing a heart attack, but believing that he made it happen. Baguio City, the Philippines, 14 years later. Mental combat has begun for the World Chess Championship. Anatoly Karpov, the golden boy of the Soviet Union, is playing Viktor Korchnoi, a defector the regime loves to hate. Despite sitting opposite each other for hour after hour, day after day, they have not spoken. But somebody is talking to Korchnoi. There's a voice inside his head. It is insistent. Over and over and over it iterates him. You must lose. Korchnoi recognizes the voice. It's not his. It belongs to the man sitting in the front row of the audience since the match began. His heart starts to beat a little faster. He begins to sweat. You should stop fight against Karpov the demands keep coming Korchnoi is not afraid but he is angry he understands perfectly what is happening the man is trying to control his thoughts you are traitor of Soviet people the man sits cross-legged dressed immaculately in a white shirt and dark brown suit reclining with a hint of arrogance he looks like an accountant albeit a somewhat demented one a slight smirk plays across his face. His eyes are terrifying, bearing into Korchnoi. He does not blink until Korchnoi is defeated. Both of these stories are true. Murphy, the zany hippie in bell-bottom jeans warbling account orders, would, in time, have the U.S. government dancing to his tune. And Dr. Vladimir Zokor, the immaculately dressed communist spook, staring demonically for comrade and country, was considered the KGB's mind control expert. Both men were protagonists in an extremely paranoid chapter of human history. The Cold War. Fascinating. So the whole idea of the book is that um, the U.S. military and the Soviets um, would use sports as their way of testing out like these superhuman ab- abilities and studying them. There's, um, I think it was Murphy's idea was that Hey, let me just read this short other part for you. So since the first millennium, Hindus and Buddhists have believed that spiritual practice like yoga was capable of giving rise to a Siddhi, which is a Sanskrit word that roughly translates as a superpower. Um, Siddhis included an ability to master pain, levitation, invisibility, being able to read minds, all the good superpowers. And Murphy's belief is that sports are the modern Western version of yoga. And it gives humans this reason and ability to focus and control their bodies in a way um, similar to what the Hindus and Buddhists believe. Interesting. Can you imagine, though, uh, with that Dodgers game, like if one of the players just happened to collapse from heat exhaustion or something? (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys ever heard about um, athletes being able to slow down time? Have you guys ever heard about flow before? Probably, but I pretend I haven't. So flow is this um, state of mind where everything is, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. Like everything is just happening and you are in a perfect flow with it. So you're not overthinking anything. Everything you're doing is just a natural reaction you're anticipating. um, And it's used around sports as whenever someone is like in their peak performance, it's because they've entered this state of flow. Mm. Um, and 
there's been some studies around it and how like if it's possible to use for other things as well and if it's if it's even real but um whenever athletes are in flow they um experience time slowing down and um feeling like they can almost see the future wonder if that's like almost like an adrenaline thing like where your body like basically superhumans itself yeah yeah so the whole point is then how far does that actually take you Mm -hmm. would you would you turn into quicksilver is that his name yeah quicksilver (laughs) um that is interesting because i could i could definitely imagine like with intense focus that i don't believe time is slowing down for them but i do believe that their perception of time slows down in that they they their focus is firing so fast that like if it's a baseball player hitting a ball like they are focusing so hard on every minute detail of the pitcher so much that they can not only see but imagine what they can't see like i could totally see that that is interesting though that how how much time and effort the united states government or <laughs> any government has spent on on uh looking into these things decades how much money like it, like, do you think <laughs> more money than i will make in my life like that's, so, that's an insane yeah mk ultra was tens of millions of dollars <laughs> back in the cold war even yeah. right yeah so so inflation so this crazy elijah wood wannabe i was wondering if someone was gonna make that that connection i i saw it too i was like he looks almost like elijah wood. walmart <laughs> elijah wood no offense to the actor <laughs> he ends up kidnapping tracy and taking her to a dam with the intention of telling her to walk off the edge which sam sees in another secret daydream i thought they were gonna like show her jumping off and i was like oh that's kind of like i don't know for some reason that's like worse to me than the like gunshots and stuff like i don't know something something about it's freaky they did show it didn't they i can't remember i think they did i was actually pretty impressed with i i hardly looked up and saw it but i also had it on a small tv far away but it looks pretty impressive for like their budget and whatnot Oh. So they actually threw a dummy over. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, the actress who played Tracy is there on top of a dam watching a lifelike dummy of her go <laughs> over the side. She's actually standing at a dam, though, because I was wondering if. Yeah, because they... I mean, they actually like filmed her standing ah. at the edge. I would not be able to film that scene. That's that's too I much. I mean, there, there are safety precautions, yeah. of course. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, she's just freestanding right there. She dies, she dies. Whatever. Just get the shot. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know how I missed that jump, though. Maybe I just looked away. <laughs> I don't want to see it. By the way, uh, I meant to say, weird motive, this, this brother. Very weird. <laughs> Very strange motive. Which like I I I understand crazy people are crazy, so it's hard to like assign logic to it. But it's just like it's your brother. Like let the let the guy live, do what he wants, with so, who he wants. Yeah, whenever he has her in the car, I was also I had the exact same thought. I took a note down about it. Of like, what is this guy's motivation? This is super weird. Um, and 
that's why I was so glad later that uh, whenever he's facing off with Andy, he brings up the man with the yellow eyes. Yeah. So there's something else going on there that we weren't made privy to. Um, that's driving this brother's motivation and why he feels like he has to do all this stuff for Andy. Yeah, I couldn't quite remember that whole conversation if he let anything out about like, this is why I'm so intense, but like it just in general seemed evil. So uh, uh, that conversation that you were talking about, um, I think uh, goes along the lines of my predictions from last year a little bit. He's uh, pull, pulling those strings a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know why, though. <laughs> Andy ends up killing his own brother and proving to Sam that anyone can kill, given the right circumstances, which makes him a little nervous and um, touches in on Dean's fear, which he brought up earlier, whenever he was also under mind control um, of... He's starting to get worried that Sam's right. I like how Dean was ready for the shot again. He's just. Yeah, Dean was ready to kill a guy. <laughs> like, oh, that's. I, I'm slightly annoyed with. Uh, once again, the plot allowed the boys to not have this moral question. Dean was ready, like you said, and, and like it was the right circumstance, like literally self defense. But. For some reason, we just can't let it happen to our protagonists. Um, but it, it, it is made better by the the conversation they have. Although I am slightly annoyed with Sam about like, turns out I was right all along. This guy's totally a killer. It's like, do you not remember what just happened? <laughs> like, of course, he's justified, you know? I think Sam's like, I think I would have enjoyed the episode less if the end lesson for Sam was that Andy's a good guy. I can be a good guy. You would have enjoyed that less. Yes. Then Sam walking away from this, actually seeing that, oh, no, Andy can kill someone. Yeah. Because I think everybody can. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do enjoy that lesson. I just, I think I wish it was phrased better of like, oh, this guy's clearly a killer. Yeah. Like, the emotion okay. was a little goofy. Like, it it didn't feel yeah, but like a couple of uh, sentences later, they they did like specify like driven to a point like we can all do something like that, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. That's a good conclusion. That's probably playing into the fact that I'm sure he's like he's increasingly getting more freaked out about these powers as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just there's no like I, I I mean I could still do it. I could still keep kill people. Also, he got the crappy end of that stick. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, didn't mean to even do that. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, yep. Just got to stick with that pun. No, uh, just as far as like all these powers go, like everyone's like, oh, I can move things. And they're like, oh, I can make people do things for me. And he's like, I, I see people die and my head hurts afterwards. <laughs> just sucks so bad and he moves things maybe well he definitely moves things sometimes (laughs) as long as he is in a closet with a dresser in front of him how many people has sam saved with the secret dreams do you think it outweighs the number of people that have died anyway i would argue that one person living is a good number (laughs) right 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 right. no 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 i'm just i'm just curious like the the success rate 
Oh, it's probably not very good. They saved Aunt Zelda and Dean. Wait, did Aunt Zelda die? Oh, yeah, she did die in that one premonition. Um, yeah, she got the and- knife through her eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uncle and the dad both died. So we went two and two in Nightmare. He didn't save Jessica. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that hurts. <laughs> but even then, you, you, you have like these weird questions of, uh, he's two and two in Nightmare, but the second one, Dean is specifically because he was interfering in the third one, Aunt Zelda. Like, if he hadn't interfered, like, three would have died. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's too, much, too much going on here. But uh, yeah. they have enough of a success rate, I'd say. <laughs> I think it's less than 50%. But it probably yeah. is. <laughs> oh, that would be, like, really interesting, though. If Like, that would, that would be torturing Sam if he's over half these visions he's having that they're there's no point yeah because the person still dies that would be really cool hopefully he has the the perspective of like well it was gonna happen like that's, that's, <laughs> with or without me apparently um i i don't think he feels that way because i think before he said why am i having these visions if i yep. can't save them yeah which is faulty logic i like that they say goodbye to andy by telling him to be good or they will be back <laughs> man so, like, is what he what he was doing before bad? Not much worse than the boys themselves, though. It was like a moral gray area. <laughs> there were some rapey implications. Oh, were there? I'm- that were hard to get on board with. Um. Oh yeah, because he was jumping out that girl's window. Oh no, he wasn't jumping out the window, but he was leaving uh, a girl's home. Right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh. So, yeah, that's bad. That's that's real bad. Um. I feel bad I didn't put that together. Right? <laughs> the, I put it together in the scene. I just forgot about it. The thing that made me feel better about it was whenever Tracy is in the car and she's having, like, she's crying and stuff. She's really upset despite being mind controlled. Um, Makes you think that that's whatever, <laughs> yes, there, uh, whatever happened with that woman wasn't as rapey as it comes off. Because, like, she is sitting in the window, she's waving bye to him and everything. Like, she is not upset. Listen, so maybe he used his powers to, like, impress her, but not directly. (laughs) Yeah. Influence her. Got a bunch of money, showed up to a bar as a big spender. She thinks he's, like, this rich guy, which is still kind of iffy, but, like, at least it's not, (laughs) hey, do this. So the boys are called back to the roadhouse by Ellen. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. And uh, she's upset about what the boys are hiding because she has the info that they gave to Ash about um, more stuff involving their mother's death and yada yada. And I was so happy that someone finally brought it up again. The fact that these hunters are in a war. So in Devil's Trap, Bobby brought up the fact that of how many like demonic possessions and everything that something crazy is going on. Um, and this whole time the boys have been acting like they're the only ones involved in it. But here we have Ellen straight up telling them that no, like this is other people are going to be affected by what's going on here. You guys can't keep these secrets from everyone. Yeah. I kind of forgot. There's a lot of people involved in this. And with that, we get the revelation that the evil twin his mother was not killed in a house fire. 
So we can't even track these special children down now. We can't, it's just not all of them. Right, we have no way of knowing how many there actually are. But that doesn't mean it's bad, because there's some good ones out there. But they can all kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for Sam. Sam will never kill anyone ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be looking out for them, because I don't remember. I'm going to look for these boys to kill a human. The closest, I think the closest we've gotten is them accidentally killing a good vampire. And the I, possessed guy, right? Dean killed a possessed man. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. But even that, it's like, I want them want them to kill a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> just like Dean wants to. <laughs> Reviews? Reviews? Reviews. I give this episode eight psychic psychos out of ten. <laughs> I liked a lot of what this episode explored. I liked, like I said, I was peeved at the phrasing of Sam talking about, well, clearly this guy was a killer. Um, but I, I do like the the con- the conversation after that of any one of these guys can be driven to doing terrible things. Um, it's almost like a light side, dark side thing on Star Wars. So that's fun. Um and I enjoyed, you know, anytime an episode involves the uh, plot involving the yellow-eyed demon, psychic, children, all these things is always extra exciting to me. So, eight psychic psychos out of ten. I am going to give this nine out of ten Obi-Wan Canandies. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved this episode. Um, I felt like the humor was on point. Um, the concept was fun. Just the, uh, uh, I guess the Jedi mind trick. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part because when it comes down to it, it was a quote unquote monster of the week story, but it didn't have that feel. It, it had enough continuity throughout it to kind of push our story forward. Um, and I, I was never bored during this episode. It was always uh, either fun or it was, uh, you know, intense or um, it was exciting, um, but just never, never. So there was never any downtime. And I really enjoyed that. Nine out of ten OP1 Canandies. Way to go. How long did it take you to come up with that? Probably less than a minute. I'm going to split the difference here. Uh, eight and a half psychic psychos out of ten. I mean, you got you guys said it all. It was it was a really good episode. Um, I thought it was really fun idea to um, show a one of these special children who saw their powers as a gift instead of a curse, like Max and Sam saw them. And it was fun to see those two play off of each other and get the moral discussion of if anyone anyone can be driven to kill given the right circumstances and um now further interplay by the yellow-eyed demon of what are what's he trying to do why is he recruiting some of these special children and trying to get them to do other things as well so really interesting stuff going on further the mythology i liked it eight and a half out of ten next week on supernatural we're watching season two episode six no exit Sam and Dean investigate the brutal slayings of blonde women from the same apartment building. Next week, we're dealing with a serial killer, obviously, of some sort, uh, going after specifically the blondes. Um, These are good predictions. 
You're killing it. Go on. All right, Bruce. Now, now, Bruce, are Sam and Dean going to be in it? <laughs> Just cover the, the full synopsis there. I know. You got to start somewhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to be a, a bullied kid from high school. He's going after the blonde specifically because he's upset about them. He, he was bullied by them. The cheerleaders. Do you think he's just a person? No, he got powers by accident. Okay. From how do you get these powers? From Bruce? what? Spider bite. Gamma rays. <laughs> I want to say he's also one of the children, but that feels too close to um, mm-hmm. our last one. So he found a book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool, cool, cool. In the library. I have right. no idea. <laughs> Book like... powers. I love it. Um, all right, Bruce. We're we're on quite the trend so far this season of recurring characters. I love Andy so much that I'm predicting that he's going to be back at some point because they said we'll be back. So when do you, when do you think we'll see Andy again? Uh, episode 18. Of the season. Will he will he have been a good boy? He is going to be possessed by the yellow eyed demon Ooh, by that point. Wow. Okay. Because that's the ultimate goal. He's gonna eventually possess all of these children and use them in his army. Um, I did put that Dean and Bar Girl Joe will kiss by midseason. Wow, that's a long developing kiss. They gotta keep that will they won't they going. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say they're gonna go on a date, but I I don't think she leaves that bar. <laughs> For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Natural Friends Podcast and Twitter at NatFriendspod. Thank you to our fans and our wives for continued support. Oh, and a special shout out for our friend Tanya. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural Natural Friends. Friends. Deacon Skywalker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what was his brother's name? C3P Anson. <laughs> 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 <laughs>